welcome to the Thrive in China podcast with me, Christina Kohler Kaluchia from Woodburn Accountants and Advisors, where we educate and celebrate the mistakes made by foreign investors whilst doing business in China. Every week, I explore the mistakes I have incurred along my China journey, what I have learned from these mistakes, and the successes that have materialized out of them. The podcast includes personal stories from other China experts on the challenges they have experienced in the Chinese market, how they have overcome them, and what pieces of advice they can share with those of us who are just starting out. In this episode, you'll meet Leanne Del Santo, Chief Financial Officer at Surface Measurement Systems. I loved to hear her comment that it was easier expanding into China compared to Germany. Thousands of misconceptions that China is impossible to do business in, but in actual fact, it has improved so much over the years that clients are experiencing ease. Leanne kicked off the expansion of her company into Germany and China at the same time. She had numerous surprises along the way and a very clear winner on which jurisdiction was simpler and easier. Enjoy today's session. Just to kick things off, Leanne, if you could maybe just introduce yourself, introduce a little bit what the company does, um, and then we'll go into the, the fun details about your China journey. Thanks, Christina. Hi, um, my name's Leanne Del Santo. I'm the Director of Finance here at Surface Measurement Systems. And what we do is we manufacture R&D instruments that sit in large scientific labs in academia around the world. Um, our, we've got large customers like pharmaceuticals, health and beauty, anything that does research and development effectively. And we manufacture them here in the UK and we distribute them around the world. And we solve scientific problems with our instruments. That's really <laughs> what we do. Uh, Leanne's more the numbers person more rather than the scientific side of the yeah. business. Um, and Leanne, what brought you to China? What has, I mean, when did you, um, I know you've got a distributor on the ground. When did that relationship all began, begin in terms of China? Oh, well, several years uh, with the distributor in China, and that's going really well. And we've got a good relationship with the distributors. But as far as the whole China journey, we feel that um, the UK market is where we started, but to expand globally. And as we have, we've got dis distributors around the world. But to really have an impact, I think we need to be on the ground and working with our distributor to support them on the technical side and um, help them and having a presence and we obviously countries like China, India, we perceive as high growth areas for the future and we want to expand the footprint. And we've always found that having a presence or being direct in certain countries makes a difference, but actually you do need a lot of cultural knowledge in different countries mm. and China's one of those for sure. I think one of the things that when we first met, I think one of the problems that you had mentioned to me, and this has just been brought up in my mind as we're talking about the distributor, is, is also the fact that nobody knows your product portfolio better than you do. I mean, the distributors can certainly learn, um, but I think one of the 
pain points that you were mentioning was, you know, the distributor is really good at selling the medium range of products. But when it comes to selling the higher priced range or actually a combination of things to clients in China, he might not necessarily know to think of those things as a package deal when talking to the customers, um, which is why I think also it was an idea for you to have people on the ground to support so that when they are in these customer, customer meetings, you've got the distributor, but you've also got your sales guy who can, who can really hear the conversation and understand what else to add into that sales discussion. Yeah, it's providing the technical conversation rather than us doing the sales conversation. But right. definitely the science, like helping, because we have been flying their chaps over to or people over to learn the science and to have the mm. training. But given um, the last couple of years, that's become harder and it's expensive. Um, yeah, and, and people come and go. So right. it's probably good to grow that knowledge on the ground and have our people out there that can give them that technical support and work alongside them and we see it being a win-win to be honest ultimately but um the last couple of years have kind of confirmed that that would be um a it's a good strategy good strategy yeah. because of where we are today so is the idea only to sell into china or do you actually have intentions i don't know in five ten years to eventually also manufacture locally or will the manufacturing always remain out of the UK being that it's it's the hub is here? I don't want to say anything's out of the question, but certainly at the moment it's yeah. the focus is just the sales. The sales side. I think there's so much complexity when it comes to manufacturing <laughs> that just to sure. set it up anywhere. But certainly um, on the technical side and the science, China's such a large market that if we can just start with that and support the distributor in that way, we'll be doing really well. Okay. And obviously, along your journey, I mean, you've just begun. So I do want to emphasize that um, SMS has only really just begun their journey. Um, what have been issues along the way in terms? I mean, obviously, COVID is one of them. The pandemic is one of them. Um, but what issues have you had in terms of, uh, you know, establishing your company and getting the ball rolling um, to actually have people on the ground? Yeah, well, I guess to get the ball rolling was to find some advisors like yourself. Yeah. And we did a bit of looking around. And I think that the fact that you had so many of your webinars and I, I did, it was able to educate me slightly to get me under, or us understanding what we were up against yeah. and, and to see the roadmap and the steps that were required to take. And then I guess it was really, once we had a bit of an idea, was how are we going to do this? And then having someone we can talk to that understands both sides, like maybe a European percep perception or an outsider's perception of coming into China and setting up there was, was a key because it didn't really know where to start in that aspect. Even though we do have um, a very broad staff base and we do have some Chinese nationals that work with us as well, it, there's nothing like having that on the ground experience i guess i had concerns about banking because you don't know where to start um obviously we have experience with the big four banks here but they don't necessarily translate even if they originate from hong kong or elsewhere um it's slightly yeah. different yeah absolutely what what um what problems did you experience in terms of the incorporation phase um 
uh, if any? For China, I would yeah. say, <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't really problems because you provided the roadmap and we were very structured in, it was almost like a checklist, a timetable. We knew what documents we needed to get have prepared. We knew that we had scheduled meetings. It was very structured and clear. So we kind of knew each step and I think we stuck to that timetable so much so that during the process, we actually completed faster than we thought. Yeah. And interestingly, you're probably going to bring this up anyway, so I may as well bring it up now. <laughs> um, at that same point in time, we actually kicked off incorporating in the European country and it took us longer to incorporate there. And we actually had to fly someone out, or fly the ND out to set up the bank account because we couldn't do it remotely. And obviously we were all... Um, in the backdrop of various COVID restrictions, travel restrictions, and all sorts of different restrictions that were coming that no one could have ever predicted. Yeah. But it still took longer to set up in Europe than it did in China, which was yeah. astounding. Yeah, astounding to me too, but it was a fantastic example to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> and to show actually that China isn't that bad. No, but I, I, I will say this um, because uh, SMS, we, we, you know, it's just part of our service. We do have structured meetings, which happen every two weeks to know where we stand in the incorporation and what's missing and what's being outdated because we're all human. We all miss emails and documents and things like that. So it's important to have that communication. I'm a big believer in communication. Yeah, um, the picture was great. But um, um, you're one of the rare clients that also listened to us <laughs> on the calls and read the emails thoroughly and answered questions and whatnot. So that also helped a lot in the speed of, of actually incorporating. Um, because in the end, we're setting up your company. It's not ours. So we always need your feedback, your signatures, unfortunately, in order to get the ball rolling. Um, the biggest obstacle I'm guessing right now for you is getting people on the ground to actually kick start the business and mm -hmm. work alongside the distributor. Um, and obviously with the Shanghai lockdowns as they are, this has all been put on hold. Um, but your intention is actually to bring out expatriates, to bring out a, a UK national but also to bring out some of your Chinese national staff that you were mentioning that you brought on, right? What, what is your, you know, the tendency nowadays is not to bring out foreign nationals to China, not because of COVID, but just generally because it's more expensive and, and all of this. Um, do you really feel like it's, it's a necessity to have a UK national on the ground? Initially I do just because we need to do some transfer knowledge and with, the way China is at the moment, I mean, you can't really even do business visas or tourist visas. So it needs to be a relocation. It will, right. it will need to be a relocation. And I think if you're serious about establishing yourself and you really want to listen and learn, I think that for me that feels like the right thing to do rather than just a helicopter in and then think you can get it going. I think you do need to have that kind of bridge initially right. for the first year. Ultimately, we will have to hire Chinese nationals, but I think we need to make sure they understand um, the company, how we operate, mm. the values we have and what we're trying to achieve. Um, and maybe if you've got someone with experience from being here, whether they've 
Chinese national that have worked within our company and then go in there. That really helps. Well, I think it will help. We haven't done it yet, but I think it will help because there's a lot of, um, this isn't even a cultural thing in the sense of um, nationalities. This is a cultural thing as in corporate culture. So I think that will be important so that we make sure that they understand what we're trying to achieve and that we understand our limitations and we can adapt to the circumstances and the business practices in China, which we find in every single country that we have to operate in, because let's face it, I think it's become more apparent the different identities and nationalities we're from and different um, rules and way people do business from Germany to France to India to China. Mm. Each one have their own certain rules and you do have to play those games and stick to the rules. Exactly, exactly. I have two more questions. Um, From a finance side, um, I mean, the company is not really in operation. It's kind of, um, I wouldn't even say it's in a dormant phase because it's not dormant, it's running. Um, but how have you find the whole um, bank opening process, the working with the banks, the online banking systems, um, and just generally from a finance side, has it been easy for you to see the startup and, and, and see that foundation that's there? Yeah, well, you've certainly, and um, Sally, your part of your team has certainly made it easy. Couldn't have done it without that help. And no, the bank account is tricky. Like, let's face it, there's passwords, there's logins. And even though you may hit the um, English translate on the website, it still seems to have Chinese. It's still so it's still, <laughs> still Chinese. So, um, we can't read all of it, I'll be honest. So it has been, we have had to have a lot of hand-holding in that sense, but we've been able to navigate through it. But I don't think it would have been possible otherwise unless we actually had someone who could read and understand Chinese in our finance. I think the setup of the whole finance side is always a little bit chaotic in the beginning Um, just because, yeah, it's a different online platform. You're using an old Internet Explorer system that probably you've never had on your computer for the last 10 years. Um, You need the the key tokens and whatnot. um, Yes. And then then it just – but after a certain while, it just becomes operational. I mean, it just becomes repetitive, recurring, and – Yeah, and it's also from this end as well. It's not just um, from the Chinese side. It's also um, international rules around um, money laundering, et cetera, Mm. that you have to adhere to. So it's also the banks at this side to get money over to China. So it's not just um, that it's blocked at one side, that it was necessarily blocked. But you just have to make sure you follow the certain process. You've got your documentation and reasons and your corporate structure in place to substantiate it, I think, and just so that it's validated why you're making these transactions because they do want to understand what you're doing. Right. Not just set up a company anywhere in the world these days. It's not bring a bag. Very true. Very true. Um, And then just a last question in regards to the overall strategy, because you were saying, obviously, you've got a distributor on the ground and the whole idea of incorporating and having people on the ground that are part of SMS is really to support the distributor and then also increase your your revenue in China, right? Ultimately, that's the goal. I'm curious to know, um, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, 
what was the reaction of the distributor when you said you were going to incorporate and your intention was to actually have people on the ground? Was his reaction that he lost face a little bit and thought that you were going to cut ties with him? Or I, I think because this is, you know, I think there are a lot of people that are at this stage where they've been using distributors, licensees, franchisees mm -hmm. to build their business in China, but it gets to a certain level and you're not sure where that level is that mm -hmm. trigger to say, let's go ahead and do this on our own, where then, you know, the people on the ground like are threatened, right? That they're going to lose out on, on the business. So I'm just curious, what, what was his reaction? Because it seems like now everything's fine and it sounds like it's going to move forward quite smoothly. But um, I can imagine that initial reaction might have been interesting. Yeah, well, the thing is, we are still in the initial kind of conversations. And I okay. guess the fact is that we haven't actually... We're not on the ground, so it's not real as such just yeah. yet. But yeah, I think the fact is that we're we we know it will be a win-win, and we're explaining that we're supporting them in the sales. We're providing the technical, and I think that they want to grow their business. They're an exclusive di distributor, and there's a lot, and it will help our reputation as like the corporate brand because we'll be able to make sure our, we've got qualified service engineers, we do the proper training and we've yeah. got the scientific um, support and knowledge and expertise to um, sell the instruments. It's not just selling an instrument, it's also understanding and selling the science and that's yeah. probably where our strengths are and the distributor strengths are in the selling and their contacts. So it's a win-win in that way. And I think it, it, in anything these days, it's about partnerships um, and like with you, you're our business partner in setting this up, you're just as important in helping us get off the ground as they are in expanding because yeah. these days we all have to work together um, to, yeah. to, to to get going in business. Yeah. And I think that's the same in this situation. Yeah. And I think that we haven't really, I, I don't think we're going to change our relationship as such. It's just the legal um, structure that needs to facilitate it these days to overcome the trade barriers, isn't it? Whether it's in Europe with the fallout of Brexit, you need to have this kind of presence and maybe that requires a corporate structure to enable you to operate. So it's not so much we're trying to take over yeah. by ourselves or any other um, country for that matter. It's like we have to adhere to certain rules, regulations and um, governance, compliance being um, a head office or having a holding company here wow. and the corporate structure that goes underneath it. And it's just a way to get trading. But ultimately, it's about your relationship. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining. I would love to have you back on in maybe six months, 12 months to see where you are and what other problems you might have encompassed along your journey. Um, but I think it would be fun to kind of see how you're progressing year on year um, and, and catch up. And so thanks for joining. Thanks for sharing and see you soon.